0: A recent Supreme Court ruling caught our attention because of its implications with regards to the separation of church and state. Case comes out of Maine, deals with public money going to private religious schools, and we wanted to dig into it. So we caught up with Lisa Tucker. She is an associate professor of law at the Drexel University Thomas R. Klein School of Law. So to start, I'd like to kind of have you just kind of give us a quick description of the case that was before the court. I believe it was Carson versus Macon. Right.
1: So this was a case in the very rural state of Maine. And of course, there are a couple of bigger cities in Maine, but Maine is mostly just wide open country. And for that reason, where kids are kind of far apart There aren't public schools in some communities. It only affects a small number of kids. I think it's about 7000 kids. But still, that's a few public schools that just aren't there. And so to deal with this situation, Maine decided that instead of building more public schools, it would just pay the tuition for kids to go to private schools. The problem that came up before the court was that the state said, we will pay for private schools, but we will not pay for private religious schools. And so some parents brought suit saying, well, you'll pay for this other secular school that isn't religiously affiliated. You're discriminating against my free exercise of religion unless you pay for the private religious school where I want to send my child. And that was the case that the court heard and decided a couple of weeks ago in favor of the parents, saying that if the state won't pay for religious schools, but it will pay for secular schools, that that is a First Amendment violation. It violates their right to free exercise. And now if states pay secular schools, they also must pay religious schools as well.
0: And this seems pretty. This is one of those cases with the Supreme Court. I think people it's in Maine, like you said, 7000 students in a state that a lot of people have never been to. They don't pay attention to it. But this has pretty big ramifications, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely. Because what we're seeing in this case and in some other similar ones is a real breaking down between that church and state barrier. One major way that the state operates is with money. And so where we've kept money from religious enterprises in the past, that's been one way of keeping religion on one side and government on the other side. But now that It's starting to be, and keep in mind, the Supreme Court did not say may pay for the the private religious schools. It said the state must pay for the private religious schools if it's paying for other schools. That means that we've got a direct involvement between the church and the state. And that can have ramifications in all kinds of other religious institutions as well. This isn't just going to be schools in a rural state of Maine. This could be schools everywhere. This could get into church funding, for example. So lots and lots of different ways that this could broaden over the next several years.
0: And it's interesting because you've got this case specifically with this term with the Supreme Court, this case, and then the case of the praying football coach, uh, where the court said that he would... What he was doing was fine, praying at 50 yard line, you know, having the team and having them feel like they might be coerced. You talk about breaking down that wall. We really seem to be working hard. And when I say we, I mean the court to really just eliminate that wall completely.
1: Right. And when you say working hard, there is extensive evidence in the praying football coach case that the court, the majority of the court even manipulated the facts in that case where they said in the facts that he was praying privately and quietly, and yet Justice Sotomayor includes in her dissent a photo of a large group of students around this football coach with lights on them. So this was not a private activity. You know, we've got a court that is a 6-3 conservative majority, and several of the members of the conservative majority are very, very religious people by admission. And so, yeah, they see the Constitution in a different way, and they think that this line between church and state isn't as strong as a lot of previous courts did. And so they're changing the law in favor of religion, religious funding, and religious rights in a way that we have not seen since the 50s or 60s. And it really is going to impact the way that the power that religious institutions have in America.
0: And it's interesting because I think when these cases are presented, They're almost always presented through the lens of a Christian religion. And it would be I'll be very interested if we see cases of, say, Muslims uh, that are looking for some of the same things or try some of the same things, Uh, frankly, if it's received uh, the same way.
1: Well, there has been a case with I believe it was a Muslim person who was incarcerated on um, death row who wanted to have a spiritual advisor with him before he was executed, and the court said no. Um, So it is interesting to see how a, a Muslim religious situation might be treated differently. The groups that bring these kinds of cases to the Supreme Court, because if you think about it, parents in rural Maine are unlikely to have significant resources, the the kind of significant resources that it takes to pay for a case to go all the way to the Supreme Court. We're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so who pays for this? Well, it's groups with an agenda who will do this for free in order to make law that they want to see become law. They want to change the law in a way that benefits them. And so, of course, they're going to choose a set of facts for example, a white Christian football coach who all he wants to do is pray at the 50-yard line, that is going to be palatable, acceptable to this Supreme Court because it increases their chances of winning. And then once they make the law, they have more power.
0: I think the majority of people enjoy the fact that there is a supposed to be a wall between church and state. Uh, this obviously was the term where Roe versus Wade is overturned. The vast majority of people are in favor of some sort of right to abortion, maybe not across the board, but they they are against a universal uh, ban. It, it seems to me we've got a court here that, is out of step with the majority of Americans? And first of all, would you agree? And if so, how problematic is that kind of big picture?
1: Yeah, I don't even think this is my opinion. Every poll shows that a majority of Americans are pro-choice. Every poll shows that the majority of Americans don't want their tax money going towards religious causes. And it's very unusual to have a Supreme Court that is so out of step with the majority of Americans. Usually the Supreme Court is somewhere in the range of the majority view. But of course, the Supreme Court is not a majority institution. The Supreme Court can do whatever it wants. Um, And often its role has been to vindicate the rights of people who have less political power, people of color, women. And for example, who maybe don't have as much political power in our legislative system, but here we see exactly the opposite. We see the court siding with the people who do have power in this country, people who have more money. And for that reason, I think it, we're in a scary situation right now.
0: Going back to the the main case, you know, I'm, I mean, if I was a taxpayer and I was uh, unhappy with this ruling and unhappy where my tax dollars were going. And I'm sure you could probably just about every American could find something that their tax dollars is going to that they're unhappy about this. But is there any recourse or is this pretty much the price? This is part of the democratic system. You got to you got to live with stuff like this.
1: Yeah. So the role of the taxpayers in this is to elect officials who are going to spend their tax money in a way that they agree with. You can't go to the courts as a taxpayer and say, I don't like the fact that our playground at the public school doesn't have slides, that they've chosen swings instead of slides. You can't say that I don't like that, you know, instead of keeping this land um, for single family houses, they're making it for multifamily houses, right? Your only power is to elect the people who make the decision about how to spend tax dollars because you can't go to court as a taxpayer. Going to the polls is critically important this November. I think it's probably the most important um, election we've seen in a very, very long time.
0: That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.